This is the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast, episode 29, Into the Final Frontier, Crafting Mocks in the Star Trek Universe. The secret title of today's episode is To Boldly Lego Where No One Has Gone Before. There is a question that is frequently asked in the Lego fan community. It's asked at conventions, in log meetings, at in-person group discussions, and in online message threads. Pretty much anywhere AFOLs are gathered. This question, in its most basic form, is what property would you like to see Lego make sets for? A lot of times, the ensuing conversations are meant to have some degree of realism. Other times, you will find adult fans of Lego suggesting very adult properties that you know Lego would never touch. Still other times, they are an excuse for some very obscure wish fulfillment exercises. I've been involved in many of these conversations, and while I personally have never answered Star Trek, I can't remember ever being in one of those conversations where someone didn't have that as their answer. There are a lot of people who want Star Trek Lego, and I'm included in that group. I've never answered Star Trek to the question, because I really want some Lego themes based on somewhat obscure 1980s-era IPs, most notably the first cyberpunk television series Max Headroom and the independent comic series Nexus. But I am a Star Trek fan, and I do want some Star Trek Lego. There usually comes a point when talking to someone about the notion of Lego obtaining the license to do Star Trek sets that I ask... Why are you letting the lack of official sets stop you from building in the Star Trek universe? This is Lego. You can build anything you want. Just build Star Trek mocks with it. That's when they start talking about how they need some specialized bricks and minifigures and minifigure accessories and the like. All of this makes me think that the topic of Star Trek Lego might make for a decent episode of the podcast. Let's see if it does. The Disclaimer Lego is a trademark of the Lego Group of Companies, which does not sponsor, authorize, or endorse this podcast. Are you ready to listen to the world's number one Lego podcast? Recorded in my apartment. Podcasting is awesome, especially when it's about the Lego fan scene. Podcasting is awesome, hey, check out this audio stream. Welcome to the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. My name is Mike Sneath and I'm your host. Let's get right into it. I'll start off with the bad news. Get it out of the way, like ripping off a Band-Aid. According to this week's pre-podcast internet research, it is my understanding that when LEGO signed its licensing agreement with Lucasfilm to produce Star Wars LEGO back in 1999, there was a clause in the contract that basically stated that while LEGO had the Star Wars license, 
they would not produce any other space fantasy sets. Eight years later, Lego and Lucasfilm had a decision to make, whether or not to extend the licensing agreement. Obviously, they did extend the licensing agreement. So far, that licensing agreement has seen an extension in 2007, 2011, and 2022. The license is currently set to expire in 2032, at which point it will probably get extended again. But just prior to that initial extension, there was a little bit of renegotiation, particularly as regards that no other space sets clause. I don't know what the exact details of that renegotiation were, but since we started getting more LEGO space sets after 2007, Mars Mission in 2008, Space Police 3 in 2009, Alien Conquest in 2011, and Galaxy Squad in 2013, I believe that the no other space sets thing became no other licensed space sets. So, no Lego Battlestar Galactica, no Lego Babylon 5, no Lego Farscape, Futurama, or Firefly, no Lego Stargate SG-1, and certainly no Lego Star Trek. Before I continue, I'd like to say, for the record, that I am not one of those fans that has taken a side in the rivalry between Star Trek fandom and Star Wars fandom. I tend to consider myself a Star Blank fan, and you can fill in that blank with the word Wars or Trek, and I'm happy either way. I was a Star Trek fan first, but that's only because when I started watching Star Trek, there was no such thing as Star Wars. That first Star Wars movie hadn't happened yet. I have watched and enjoyed TV and movies from both franchises. I've read novels and comics from both franchises. I've owned and played with toys from both franchises. And I've come up with innumerable characters, settings, and plots intended for fan fiction from both franchises. In all honesty, I don't really get the Star Wars-Star Trek rivalry. The two franchises aren't like Coke and Pepsi, where... They're both basically the same product, but with a minor flavor difference. They have completely different types of characters, types of stories, and are completely different styles of storytelling. As regards to the rivalry, I have on occasion referred to the two as Star Apples and Star Oranges, because a direct comparison between the two just isn't there. When I'm asked if I prefer Star Wars or if I prefer Star Trek, my answer is usually a less than helpful and probably somewhat annoying, yes, yes I do. So, LEGO doesn't have the Star Trek license for building block toys, which doesn't mean that there aren't Star Trek building block toys, just not LEGO brand ones. Or, to put it in my usual way of thinking, there aren't good Star Trek building block toys. As nearest I can tell, the first Star Trek building block set happened in 2004 with the Mega Blocks produced USS Enterprise NCC-1701D, which came with a Captain Picard figure. But that's all that Mega Blocks did with the license in 2004. Just that single 
Star Trek The Next Generation set. Fast forward to 2012, and Hasbro's Creo line of building block toys announces that they will be producing sets for the second of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. These sets include the USS Enterprise, the Klingon Bird of Prey, the USS Vengeance, a Klingon-slash-Starfleet attack with the USS Enterprise and Klingon Warbird, Spock's Volcano Mission with Takayama-type shuttlecraft, and a series of micro-build starships, including the Enterprise, the Klingon Warbird, the USS Kelvin, and the Jellyfish. A set called Transporter Trouble, and a set called Space Dive. All of these sets came with Creo's answer to minifigures, which they referred to as Creons. And there was also a set of Creon blind bag figures, much like Lego's collectible minifigures, only inferior. I probably shouldn't say inferior. Creons had a lot more points of articulation than Lego minifigures do. But to me, someone who grew up with minifigures, Creons just looked wrong. There's something about them that I just found kind of creepy. Anyway, 2016, Megablocks, having recently rebranded itself as Mega Constructs, reacquires the Star Trek license for Star Trek's 50th anniversary celebration. They give us starships, they give us playsets, they give us something called Cubros, assuming I'm pronouncing that right, which are the Megablocks answer to Lego's brickheads. Among the starships that we get from Megablocks are the Klingon D7 battlecruiser, which, despite not being a minifigure scale ship, comes with a figure of the Klingon core, and the USS Enterprise, which comes with figures of Kirk and Spock, both in dress uniforms. They gave us four playsets. A set of the engineering section from the episode Day of the Dove with Scotty, Chekhov, Kang, and unnamed Klingon warrior figures, possibly the Klingon equivalent of red shirts. Who knows? They gave us a Guardian of Forever playset from City on the Edge of Forever with Kirk, McCoy, and two security figures. They gave us a transporter room from the episode Mirror Mirror with the Mirror Universe Kirk and Spock and an in-the-process-of-beaming, either in or out, Scotty figure. And finally, they gave us the USS Enterprise Bridge from the episode The Changeling, with Kirk wearing his wraparound tunic, Spock, Sulu, Uhura, and Nomad. The Cubros figures that we got from Megablocks during this period are of Captain Picard, Spock, and Worf. They also give us individually packaged Mega Constructs heroes, which are what the standard answer to minifigures that Mega Blocks, Mega Constructs, whatever you choose to call them, have at that moment. I don't like these guys even more than I didn't like the Creons. They are taller than minifigures and, you know, wider, thicker. Uh, they're also a lot more molded than Lego minifigures are. Instead of face printing, they have face sculpts. Their arms are bulgy and muscly, if, if their characters are bulgy and muscly. 
They resemble action figures far more than they do characters for building blocks. They can attach to studs, but as near as I can tell, the only connection point is on their feet. They have your standard clip hands so that you can clip equipment into them. But they once again just look wrong to me. In 2022, the Star Trek license went to a German company called Blue Bricks. Bricks is spelled with a double X at the end instead of a CKS. They gave us starships, shuttlecraft, and prop replicas. Here's the list of what they have all produced. In their large model section, you can get a model of Deep Space Nine, the Enterprise NX-01 from Enterprise, the Klingon Bird of Prey, the USS Defiant, the USS Enterprise, the original version from Classic Trek, as well as the next generation's NCC-1701D and E. They also have the USS Voyager. In what they consider to be their mid-size models, you can get a Borg Cube, a Danube-class runabout, the Enterprise, Enterprise NX-01, a Jem'Hadar attack ship. They have the Klingon Bird of Prey and Klingon D7 Battlecruiser. Both of them on this list are available in two varieties, Standard and Cloaked. And while my first thought was that the cloaked version was probably going to be a joke version, just like an empty box, no pieces equaling invisible, it actually lists a piece count identical to the uncloaked versions of them. So I tracked down a photo of it on the internet, and the cloaked versions look to be made entirely of trans clear pieces. Nifty. Continuing with the midsize models, you can get a Romulan the Diradex-class warbird, the USS Defiant, the Enterprise with no letter, the Enterprise A, the Enterprise D, and the Enterprise E. You can get the Excelsior, the Stargazer, the Thunderchild, and Voyager. That closes out the mid-size models, leaving us with mini-models. Borg Cube, Cardassian Galore-class cruiser, Deep Space Nine, Ferengi Decoro Marauder, Jem'Hadar Battleship, Jem'Hadar Attack Ship, Klingon Bird of Prey, Klingon Katinga Class Battlecruiser, Klingon Vorcha Class. You can get the Maquis Raider Valjean, the Phoenix, a Romulan Warbird, another Romulan the Diradax Class Warbird, the Scimitar, Space Dock 1, SS Botany Bay, the USS Defiant, the Enterprise, again, letterless, and then A, C, D, and E, the Equinox, the Excelsior, the Farragut, the Raven, the Reliant, the Stargazer, Voyager, and V'ger from Star Trek The Motion Picture. They have five minifig scale models, which is interesting because the company does not have their own version of minifigures although they apparently recently announced that they were going to start producing figures to go with some of their sets, so I don't know. But their minifig scale models are of the Class F Shuttlecraft, the Danube-class Runabout, the Delta Flyer, Shuttlepod 1, and the Type 6 Shuttlecraft. 
Blue Bricks also has prop weapons and equipment. So we're looking at one-to-one ratio scale builds of the Classic Series Communicator, the Voyeur Era Hypospray, the Klingon Doctog Knife, the Klingon Disruptor Pistol from the DS9 era, the Voyager Era Medical Tricorder TR590 Mark 10. They have Picard's Ready Room Painting. They have the Type 2 Phaser from the original series, the Type 2 Phaser from the Next Generation, and the Type 3 Phaser Rifle, specifically from Star Trek First Contact. They also have a line of brick figs, which, once again, look to be this company's answer to Lego's brickheads. The lineup there being composed of Data, James T. Kirk, Jean-Luc Picard, Q, Quark, Seven of Nine, Benjamin Sisko, Spock, and Worf. The last two things on the Blue Bricks list are a bust of a Borg drone and an advent calendar. So that is all of the non-LEGO building block stuff that is currently available. But if you're like me, you really don't care a lot about that stuff. You're not here for Mega Blocks or Creo or Blue Bricks. You're here for LEGO. So what do you do if you are a LEGO fan? Not a building block fan, but specifically a Lego fan and a Star Trek fan, and you want to intersect those two hobbies. There are several routes you can go. If you're also a Brickheads fan, that's probably one of the easiest Star Trek mocks to collect is Brickheads. Now, while I'm talking about mocks here, I'm talking about both the standard, my own creation definition, you take a bunch of bricks and you build Star Trek brickheads or whatever it is that you're building out of your own imagination and possibly reference photos and whatnot, just on your own. You pick up the bricks, you put them together. The other definition of mocks I'm using here should probably actually be SEC instead of MOC, someone else's creation. But SEC, that would be pronounced sex, and so we'll need to eventually find another term for that. This would be the process of you going to a website like Rebrickable or Mox Market, buying a PDF of mock instructions and a parts list, which you then go to Bricklink and buy yourself all the required parts, and then build it just as if it were a normal Lego set. I've seen instructions available for a lot of different Star Trek brickheads. I've seen instructions available for a lot of Star Trek stuff just in general. You could build yourself one-to-one scale props, build yourself a phaser, build yourself a tricorder, classic series communicator. Way back when I first got my original couple of classic space sets back at the end of the 1970s, one of the things that I can remember building over and over again was a Star Trek communicator. I had six by eight plates. I had hinges. I had various sized bricks. I didn't have a gold six by eight plate back in the late 70s. I didn't have anything like pearl gold or certainly not chrome gold, but I did have a trans yellow 6x8 plate, and that was always the cover of my communicator, which flipped open thanks to some Lego hinges. Once it was open, I would tell Scotty to beam me up. You can build Star Trek ships, probably not minifigure scale. Over in Star Wars land, You can build the Millennium Falcon at minifig scale, or an X-Wing, or a TIE Fighter, 
because these are all much, much smaller ships than something like the USS Enterprise, regardless of what letter follows the NCC-1701. To build the Enterprise in minifig scale, you are A, going to need a lot of brick, and B, you're going to need a lot of space for that mock to occupy. I mean, if you've got a lot of space in your house or garage or more likely aircraft hangar, then that's doable, easily doable. But if you're limited on space and bricks, probably best to just do smaller model spaceships. But from what I can tell, the majority of people who want Star Trek Lego want minifigure scale Star Trek Lego, which means you are going to be building the equivalent of playsets. But you also require minifigures. Mock instructions and brick, that's all relatively easy to come by. Minifigures is the big hang-up here. Minifigures and minifigure accessories. So I have started looking around for Star Trek minifigures. You can go to the sites that sell custom minifigures and you can buy a Star Trek character for anywhere from 20 to 40 bucks on average. But I don't have 20 to 40 bucks to spend on each of the characters that I would want. If you are the type of person willing to buy Chinese counterfeit minifigures, then you can go on the sites that sell those and you can get six of the seven members of the classic Star Trek bridge crew. These figures were apparently from the third of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, so after the tragic death of Anton Yelchin, meaning that Chekhov wasn't in the movie and therefore isn't in the minifigure set. But you can get Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Sulu, Scotty, and Uhura. I don't really advocate buying counterfeit minifigures, the thought does not sit well with me. Do I own some Chinese knockoff minifigures? Yes, I do. And there's an episode upcoming, not just scheduled, but upcoming, about the whole knockoff counterfeit minifigure phenomenon. I'll, I'll get there. If you go to minifigfx.com, you will find for sale there Starfleet uniform torsos. These are actual Lego minifigure torsos with custom printing on them. For five bucks a pop, they have the classic yellow, blue, and red torsos from the original series. They have the red, blue, and yellow torsos from Star Trek The Next Generation. They have the red, yellow, and blue torsos from Voyager. Well, okay, it's actually maroon, gold, and teal accents on mostly black uniform torsos, but you get the point. I have purchased torsos from Minifig FX. I like them. The printing is good quality. And while all of the torsos on the site are either male or androgynous, when I inquired about the possibility of getting female torsos, I was told that wouldn't be a problem. It's just that nobody had ever asked for that before. I've placed an order for a few of those female torsos, but they aren't going to arrive by time this episode needs to be uploaded. At the moment, his entire Star Trek universe offerings are Starfleet torsos, but he says that while he currently has no plans to do non-Starfleet torsos, it is something he could look into in the future. With his affordability and print quality, I'd love to see him start to produce some torsos for the glory of the Klingon Empire. 
the absolute most cost-effective option I've discovered for the upper bodies of Star Trek figures is at saber-scorpion.com. It's not a route that I am going to go, because it's been my personal experience that Lego and stickers do not get along. This might not be the case for you. But at Saber Scorpion, you can buy stickers to customize your minifigures into classic Star Trek Federation crew members. For $1.50, you can get stickers to customize one figure. This includes stickers for both the front and back of the torso, along with stickers of the classic Trek rank insignia at the wrist. These are the sets of variables you get to choose from. Male or female. The traditional mini-skirted classic Trek female includes stickers for the legs and feet. Classic or mirror universe. Command yellow, operations red, science blue, and medical light blue. And finally... Classic yellow, light flesh, medium flesh, brown, green, blue, light blue, and white for your figure's skin color. And if you're looking to recreate the entire Classic Trek Bridge Crew, they also sell an $8 pack that has stickers for all seven of those characters. These stickers also include stickers of their faces for you to wrap around a minifigure head. And again, these are available in either Classic or Mirror Universe and Classic Yellow or the appropriate flesh tones. So you take your torsos, either custom printed or with custom stickers, add a pair of plain black legs, a stickered head if you went the route of buying the whole bridge crew pack from Saber Scorpion, an appropriate looking Lego minifig head if you didn't, I'm currently in the process of putting together figures for Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. I decided for Flesh Tone over Classic Yellow, mainly because otherwise one-third of the available torso colors would make them look shirtless. Not that it would be an uncommon look for Kirk, or possibly Sulu, but it would bother me. The hairpiece from either of the Wonder Twins from the DC CMF series works perfectly for Spock, and I've ordered the head from the Jurassic World minifigure of Kenji because that one has the highest single raised eyebrow I could find. For McCoy, I'm using the oft-reused stern-looking head from Alamut Guard 1 from the Princes of Persia line, and from General Maximilian Veers, Hoth Rebel Trooper, Imperial Pilot, and Naboo Fighter Pilot from Star Wars. My choice for Kirk's head is another one that has multiple minifigure sources, this time Captain America, Hawkeye, Icarus, Cedric Diggory, Han Solo, Marty McFly, and Legolas. The next step is accessories. You can get the classic Trek-era phaser pistol from three different manufacturers. Brick Arms makes a really nice one. Brick Forge also has a version of it. And finally, Big Kid Bricks has their version as well. With those first two, the Phaser Pistol is all the Trek gear they have. Big Kid Bricks, on the other hand, also carries the classic era Phaser Rifle and the Klingon Batleth. 
And I've been told that they are just a couple of weeks away from releasing a tricorder and communicator. I haven't found anybody with phasers from the next generation era or non-Starfleet weapons like the Klingon disruptor pistol. I'm hoping that will change as time goes on. I've got more Lego Star Trek stuff to talk about, but as my script for this episode is looking like it's going to be at the upper end of my standard 25 to 35 minute long episode, I'm going to save that for the upcoming episode on merging mock building with the creation of fan fiction. As I indicated at the end of last week's episode, the segment about what mocks I'm currently working on returns this week. But before I proceed with that, there's one other thing I need to talk about. I am currently in the process of getting all of my various medical ducks in a row so that they can schedule me for some fairly extensive oral surgery. As I sit here recording this, I don't know exactly when this surgery will actually happen, but the information I've been given indicates it might all go down within a couple of weeks, so reasonably soon. The reason I bring this up is because I have absolutely no idea what oral surgery and recovery from said oral surgery is going to do to my podcast schedule. So I wanted everyone to be aware well ahead of time that it is possible that I might have to skip a week, possibly more. We'll just have to see how everything goes. Okay, the mock report. I still have not built the hands or feet for my prototype Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mech. I did, however, make a small change to the design of the mech's head, which I've been told makes it look much better. Work continues on the Battle Gorilla Lego podcasting bunker for the Dream Bunkers collab, although not without hitting a snag. While the bunker has not yet been furnished, the structure of it is complete. I built it three modules wide, and my attempt was to build it two modules tall, the inside of the bunker being three distinct floors. But upon measuring it, just to make sure, I discovered that my math had been wrong, and the bunker was two plates higher than the specifications. And since the bunkers in the collab get stacked one on top of the other, each bunker needs to conform to the exact dimensions of the module design. So I need to partly disassemble and then reassemble the very top of the top two floors, replacing one layer of brick with two layers of plate. Aggravating. The bricklink order that the USPS lost track of for just over a month finally arrived, so work can now resume on the bordello for the Space Western collab. And a couple of new projects have begun. I've started building another bunker for the Bunker Collab, this one being the Muppet Labs Cloning Bunker, where Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his long-suffering lab assistant Beaker are in the process of mass-producing Kermit's the Frogs. And finally, I am in the very beginning stages of assembling a building, which I plan to fill with your standard classic coin-operated video games. The business of this establishment will cater almost exclusively to the Ardvark minifigures I mentioned last episode. Yes, that's right. Work has begun on the Ardvarkade. That's going to do it for this episode. 
Next week, I will be talking about March's month-long LEGO Fan Community Build Challenge, Marchacoma. Links to the podcast's social media and wish lists can be found at battlegorilla.com slash links. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure and tell all your friends that they should listen to it. And if you hate this podcast, well, why not recommend it to your enemies? The podcast's intro and outro themes, Podcasting is Awesome, inspired by Tegan and Sarah's Everything is Awesome, and Ode to Gibberish, were created by Michael Reinch. I think I just closed Pandora's box and I want to know if you can punch a sucker. How else would you know that I've done everything except any of it? You can have your bald eagle afraid of fire and you can eat it too and there could be so much joy and I want my libido well. How else? I mean, wish me luck on the prayers for junk food and 